Welcome back to the Traders for a Cause podcast. I'm your host, Zach Shellhaas, Executive Director at Traders for a Cause. And uh, we're bringing back Mr. Nate Michaud this week, our president, uh, to uh, kind of kick off a new series, get the podcast rolling again. Kind of excited to have him on board. So what's happening, Nate? We're back. We're back. <laughs> exciting, right? Very exciting. And, and I think the last time that we spoke, we were talking about market conditions and how it was like, a ripe market for a lot of new traders and how experienced traders are making a killing. And I yep. think it's a little different now. It's every, when we first were talking, it was chase everything and nothing yep. matters and, and just keep doing that until it doesn't work. And now, uh, and I think we actually talked about at, at some point it will matter. <laughs> and the last two weeks it matters. Right. Right. So there, this is kind of this market environment is likely separating the wheat from the chaff here. Like they're the, the beginners are probably getting a rude awakening as to what a, what a tougher market to trade, right. what that environment is really like. It was a different mentality. You could just buy the dip and kind of like ride it out mm -hmm. back in the day. And now the table has turned, the tide has turned. Seems that this market is really separating those who are adapting to the environment and those who are trying to play by old rules. And I also think that there's a lot of people that aren't even trading. They are just doing the whole can't go much lower. I can add, this is cheap and continuing to hold all these names that have literally got smoked by 50, 60, 70, 80%. You know, a lot of these names, you know, you look at the AMC and the GMEs last time we were talking, we were talking about how you just, have to embrace the chase and right. you know it is what it is and as a you know i like to short sell obviously but i had to adapt and and realize that uh you know that that's not a smart decision in the market uh, environment that we were in you needed to take you know a couple steps back be a little bit more patient uh and i think it's just kind of flipped where all these people that are looking to buy the dip you know it's going to be just like the last time and then it goes a little bit lower a little right. bit lower, a little bit lower. And, and they start to find out about margin and margin calls. Uh, they think that, you know, a stock can't go much lower. It already dropped 50% and then it drops another 50%. Right. So you've got a lot of these meme names. You've got a lot of these biggest runners, you know, like the Pelotons from 100, 130 down to, you know, 20 bucks. And at 40, you think it's cheap. And all of a sudden it halves again. Uh, and, and I think that the first moves down is not where people lose their money it's thinking that it can't go that much lower of course and all of, of a course. sudden it's a quick 50 percent down the old is this the bottom yeah <laughs> is this the bottom is this the bottom is this the bottom uh Might be. <laughs> interestingly in 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 my experience and talking with other guys who are short sellers notably contrarian short sellers a bear market despite the fact that generally things are going down it doesn't make it any easier to be a short seller either because the market just behaves differently. Right now, you know, thinking, thinking that way, I mean, obviously euphoria for a short seller is, is a, a, a wonderful strategy because you can, you know, short into, you know, ridiculous pops, right. but the bear market environment is, is just overall more difficult to trade. Is it not? It depends on the type of environment and what's happening. And, and, you know, if you're in a consolidation period, then it, gets tougher, right? If you have heavy conviction, and it starts to go the other way. 
Uh, but right now, the past couple of weeks, it's, it's literally like a pinball machine, you know, up, down, up, down, up, down. So the hardest part is getting conviction and trying to force that trade to work when it wants to go the other way. And by the time you get exhausted, you, you know, you exit, but then the trade finally comes. So I think the hardest part is not carrying a heavy conviction one way or the other and just being a trader. And I think that's where a lot of people are, are probably getting chopped up is trying to force what worked last week or the week before or the month before sure. into these current market environments. And it's just, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to bounce. It could look fantastic for, you know, three hours. Sure. And all of a sudden you're, you're looking at a 500 or a thousand point drop uh, within the next couple hours, which is insane. I love it. But you know, if you catch that wrong side and you're scaling in and into a loser, then, you know, that's, that's when your most risk is, is present. So in essence, if you were baptized into the trading community in the second half of 2020, you're, you're, you might be running for the Hills right now. It's just you have like 10 to 20% of your money left. <laughs> Interesting. And you probably are just finding out about margin. You're like, oh, okay. So I can buy more with money that I don't have. <laughs> and then when it drops, you know, another 50%, now you have none left and, it, and it's gone now, twice as now, fast. Now, obviously you're a seasoned professional and, and you know, most of the guys who, who stand the test of time in the trading business are, are such. I guess the question I have is since the the rookies who came in in 2020 are now having a rude awakening and losing their money. Do mm. you think that it makes for a more challenging trading environment for you in that you're competing with better traders now? Not so much because what's happening is the large caps are actually acting like small caps. And for me, I love that because there's a lot more liquidity. Uh, you don't have to, what happens in small cap land is you start to outsize yourself, right? So as you're scaling up and as you're trying to uh, expand your playbook as a, as a trader, you know, you can only size up so much before you end up becoming your own risk. So it's nice to be able to expand out into large caps with, you know, millions and millions and billions of liquidity. And now you're just a, a little small fish in this huge ocean versus before in small cap land, you know, you can end up being this big fish in this little, I don't know, little pond. So for me, I like this type of market. Volatility is, is really where I'm, I'm best. But I think that those that can take everything from what they learned in small cap land and apply it, you know, as far as, you know, how stocks react and, and how, you know, the technical analysis that you kind of learn, the, the psychological kind of up and down and, and maybe pressure points. Like inflection points. Inflection points. Yeah, that's a good word for it. You learn all of that in small cap land and it directly applies to this current market. And the best part about it is you don't have to worry about the silly circuit halts when you're on the wrong side of a trade, it goes into a circuit halt and you know, you're just hoping that it doesn't go into another one. Right. right. But you're getting that kind of volatility on blue chip stocks. You don't have to, you know, yeah. don't have to think about that. Very good. Now, uh, you had mentioned to me before we uh, started recording this that the there's a, a greater deal of slippage now and the tape is a lot thinner and these stocks are trading with less liquidity. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So if you're trading like a couple thousand shares, it's not, it's not really a big deal. 
But what happens is if you're if you're trying to size into these types of trades, although the liquidity looks like a lot, maybe it's trading 20, 30, 50, 100 million shares. Yes, it's very liquid. But when the moves happen, it's paper thin. So what happens is if you are not part of the, the pullbacks or the breakouts or, you know, those those kind of liquidity points, you know, from point a to point b it's very thin in between and so when it's channeling between certain levels that can get very 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 thin uh especially if you're trading 50 100 200 shares whatever whatever it may be uh, you'll probably experience it with as as small as 20 to 20 to 50 000 shares what happens is all of a sudden you know you've got a, a 50 swipe in one direction and when you're actually trying to cover there's not that much liquidity so you kind of have to be one step ahead. And, you know, with that comes a, a whole nother emotional element because you've got that, not necessarily the FOMO, but what if I cover too soon? And so you, you want to let the trade work, but at the same time, it starts to consolidate. You know, you have too much risk if it starts to rip back the other way. So it's a constant juggle of, you know, adjusting your risk in, in this market. So I'm definitely, I, you know, my previous experience, we did a lot of short selling of, of penny stocks primarily and, and yep. you know, OTCs, that kind of thing. Liquidity was always a problem. You know, we were always thinking about that because if you got it built into a big position, there was no way that you could get out in a hurry. So what you're saying is that you're seeing this now in like large cap stocks? For sure, because everything's pulled back a lot too, right? So it only takes one piece of news. So for example, just the other day, Rivian had some news, which has been obviously unwinding, I don't know, 50, 60, 70% off the highs. Right. But they have one piece of news and it almost goes into a circuit halt. It goes from 62 to 68. And, you know, a $6 move essentially is going to, you know, send it into one. So, or maybe it's, yeah, about six, 620 or so. And if that happens, you know, does it open at 70, 72? And if you've got outsized risk, you're screwed. So right. uh, the way that I kind of try to combat that is to either trade really, really thick names like, you know, an F uh, or the, the Qs, T triple Q, things like that, or just kind of spread it out and find out, you know, three, four, five different names that are kind of trading similarly. And then, you know, kind of put your risk off on, on different names instead of just having one concentrated position, because, all it takes is that one headline in this market. And, you know, as soon as people stop selling, it's, it is paper thin. Right. Right. Well, it makes sense. Wow. That's, that's crazy. It's kind of horrifying in a way. Yeah. Um, well, that's why, you know, it, it's good to see those moves though. You know, for, for me, I was, I've been sizing a, a lot of different names lately, but I saw that move. I wasn't part of it, but you know, it was something that was on radar and it made me kind of re remind myself like, Hey, this is why you got to spread the, the risk across multiple names, because all it takes is that one headline, you know, not that, you know, you'd blow up hopefully, but you know, it's, <laughs> you, you should never kind of have that risk anyway, but it could definitely turn a, a, a great day into a bad one or a so-so day into a terrible one. So of course. for me, I'd rather just spread it out. I don't need to, you know, always be, you know, getting every, single cent off every single name. I just want the meat of the move with the least headache and, you know, hopefully least the stress. least risk possible. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping are you trading, are, are micro caps dead for you right now? There's like 
every now and then they pop up like today we had a couple that just what we've seen lately is they ramp right into prior resistance which is just like such a layup because you know you're coming right into this area where people are do i sell for even or do i get out and then it starts to go down and everybody starts to kind of freak out and then bail so it just helps so i like this market for small caps uh, I know a lot of people probably would prefer it to be a lot more active, but if you know what you're looking for, there's, there's a lot of nice run-ups in the morning and then just slow, steady fades, which is, you know, that's right a, up my wheelhouse. That's your bread and butter. You, you can put those, you can put risk on and then kind of just put them on the side, you know, on, on one of your other monitors and just kind of keep an eye on them, but focus on other names that are, you know, maybe more actively trading and by the end of the day, these things have faded all the way down and, you know, you're good to go. So it's kind of letting your, your money work for you. Let the trade work for you while you're looking for other uh, names to potentially trade. Outstanding. Well, this is a crazy market and, uh, you know, I wish everybody luck with, uh, you know, surviving and I understand that you're doing well. So uh, congratulations. And, and I hope that that continues going into the, the unknown here. It's, uh, it seems like everybody's nervous about you know the market condition <laughs> going forward but uh so it's about time though i mean it's look i don't want anybody losing you know I'm, I'm not like that but it is frustrating for me to put in the work and the time that i put you know into this sure. and then just see everybody you know just buy and hold these things and have them you know do some crazy moves like amc right, and right. gme and it's like you know maybe i maybe i shouldn't you know, invest so much time in this. Maybe I should just, you know, do it, but it's finally caught up. And again, I, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that they've probably made different life choices now based on their portfolio value a, a year ago, which is now 10% of that. But, you know, it, it is, it's, it's nice to be back to a little bit of uh, normality. For sure. Speaking of normality, uh, to, to kind of change the subject here, traders for a cause. We had a, a really fantastic uh, event. It was fun in October. Yeah, it was great. You know, like we a had a lot like of new faces. Lot, a lot of new faces. Um, and I thought, you know, we changed a, a little bit of the the venues, the the meetups. And I, I thought everything was great. I thought it worked out really, really well. It was seamless, and uh, there was a lot of great speakers that we hadn't heard of, uh, heard from before. That really uh, added added quite a bit to the to the program. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it went very well. We had a, a nice, almost like a lull in the pandemic that kind of allowed us yeah. to put the whole thing together. And then when we were out there, I don't know if you, you got this. Obviously, like in the in the casinos, they require masks in the public areas, but it was almost like a breath of normalcy. You know, like when yeah. we, when we were all there hanging out and just like having a good time, just like uh, a couple of years ago. So. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully when, when Omicron passes, we'll be able to do the same thing again in the fall. And yeah. I guess we're going to plan to do another virtual event in the spring at some point. So everybody can stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, uh, I'm talking about Project Impact a lot on Twitter uh, with the Traders for a Cause Twitter feed and what we're doing with that website and how we're building it out and putting all of the Traders for a Cause content up there. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to do the same thing with the podcast too. And, and perhaps what we'll do is, you know, we'll release a couple of them out onto YouTube right off the bat, but going forward, I think maybe we'll give our project impact, uh, pledged members, some uh, advanced access to all the podcasts that we record going forward, maybe like 
maybe like a week ahead or something like that, you know, to, yeah. to kind of encourage it. We would love anybody who uh, is listening, anybody who's watching this to consider uh, joining and pledging to Project Impact. It kind of helps us keep the lights on at Traders for a Cause and, and continue to produce the events that we do. Uh, so, we haven't really even promoted it yet. It's kind of like a little sneaky uh, project we've been working on. And if you've heard about it, you've heard about it, but uh, you know, you've mentioned it on Twitter, but we haven't done any videos or, or really mentioned it. And uh, I, I think it's been built out pretty well. It's got all of the, uh, the prior virtuals as well as I think, what is it? Three or four years now of Vegas. I think we go least. back to 18 maybe. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of content up there now. Uh, all the presentations and, and just in case you're curious, I think I would say 90% of the content is almost evergreen. Like there's really not, yeah. you know, like the guys that have done speeches for us out in Vegas, they, they're not really talking a whole lot about like very time specific concepts. So I, I would, I would say the only non evergreen would probably be Jay, uh, Minspeyer, which is, he made some good <laughs> shipper calls. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so you can go back and look at the call and then <laughs> look yeah. at it now. Yeah. Then you can, but there was, was a lot of like process oriented. One of the, um, Brian Lee, he had reached out, I think two or three years ago. And he said, one of his dreams would be like to, you know, speak at traders for a cause. And I had brought it to you and, and we were pretty much, you know, full, full that year. Yeah. And I was like, you know, not this year, but you know, keep you in mind next year. And then I remember he had done like a, a video, uh, just a really good work ethic kind of kid, but he had made a whole video and he's like, you know what? I know I wasn't speaking this year, but I just wanted to, you know, add value to the community. And he put something out that year, but this past year he came and uh, he just knocked it out of the park with, you know, coming from where he came from facing a, a lot of adversity and then just, absolutely crushing the he, end of 2021 and, it and was, he it and he totally awesome left, to see he totally left it out on the stage too like he yeah you know he he really bared his heart and yep. i think every i think it really connected with everybody in the audience and we got a lot of great feedback so i look forward to having brian on the podcast actually he's he's on my uh on my schedule he told nice. me he's getting he told me he's getting some remodeling next. done after he watches this he's next <laughs> <laughs> He said he's getting some remodeling done in his house and that I should get back to him in a few weeks. And I told him like, I, I knew you did well, but you have enough money to remodel. I mean, good Lord. He could buy a green screen and then put you know whatever he wants behind him. <laughs> Is the lumber still like $10,000 a piece? <laughs> yeah, it's up there. It actually pulled back and then it ripped to new highs. And I've right actually on. been watching it because I'm going to build in a little in a couple months, but That's uh, right. like I got to short it. <laughs> get it down. <laughs> yeah, get on that. So, uh, so speaking of Brian Lee, he, he threw out a question because we went to Twitter uh, a couple of days ago and asked everybody for some questions that they'd like yep. you to, to, uh, discuss. And of course, uh, Brian Lee goes, you know, right to the uh, sentimental side and he talks about how you are raising your kids. So, uh, he wants to know how, you know, whether you're going to encourage them to be an entrepreneur like you are or whether you're going to encourage more of like the collegiate path and, and seeking employment. So what, what do you, you know, what's your, what's your plan for your kids? They gotta be traders. <laughs> no, I, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's tough because, you know, you want them to, to follow their own dreams. And I've known people that uh, parents have pushed them to get into business school and it's, you know, the, they hate it. 
and I've seen, you know, it, there's just so many different things. So I, I really think it's just going to be a situation where, you know, kind of follow the path where you think you want to go. And, you know, if I can help along the way, I can, but, you know, we'll see. My, my wife is kind of artsy as well. She does floral, uh, which is kind of entrepreneurial. You know, she runs a florist, but that's entrepreneurial in itself. So that would be great. You know, if Adeline wanted to be, you know, part of that as you know, she's a little bit older and, and learn running a business and entrepreneurial side of things, but who knows? Aiden's just running around like crazy right now. <laughs> well, you can get him encourage, can... encourage them both to get into sports. And, uh, you know, I, I honestly don't know. And, uh, it's, it's definitely tough. Uh, do you push the college route? You know, I, you could, I, I think that it, it's important that everybody kind of has that in their, in their life. I mean, that was some of my best years and, and I met a lot of friends, life, lifelong friends, but sure. at least experience it. And if, if something happens entrepreneurially before then, you know, by all means, follow your dreams. But, you know, for me, I, I was good to go by probably my sophomore year, but it was, it was more about just kind of finishing what I started. So I don't have strong opinions, but it's going to be interesting, but I just want to at least instill the values that, you know, were instilled with me. And I, I think that's really helped me, you know, and I, I've made a ton of money really young and I lost it all, you know, and, and if I didn't have the values that I had growing up, then, you know, I don't know, I don't know how I would have been, you know, able to, to kind of bounce back and, and really focus on what matters. So that's, well, I think, that that grounded kind of nature and, and, and humble and, and um, you know, make them work for for what they get kind of thing is, is I think, the most important. And then wherever it goes, it goes. Well, if we could have a few more market years like 2020 and you wanted to teach uh, your youngest how to trade, he only needs to be able to press one button, right? I mean, That's like, Bye. <laughs> so one button and and, uh, and all of a sudden he's a trader, just like uh, just like the other masses that came in at that point. That's it. Interesting. Okay, cool. So Brian, I hope that that adequately answered your question, which was he, he like went very deep and he was the first one to give us a question and he went right for raising the kids. I love it. No, it's, so, it's definitely important. And there's, I think there's a lot of good conversations you can have. Like it's, it's such a involved career compared to, you know, some of these other career choices that people make where you literally work an eight to five, that's it. You shut it up, you know, right, and right. this is a, this is a career path that, I mean, it never stops. And I had vacation last week and, you know, I, I got away, but I was involved in the morning just to stay current because I don't want to lose a week's worth of, you know, what happened. And, you know, so you I saw your finger in the on mornings. the Yeah. You, you got to check it in the morning. You got to check it at night. And, and I know that's like terrible, but at the same time, I came back Monday and, you know, it was one of my best days of the year and just be staying in, staying current with the market conditions and you know you make this excuse back in 2020 like we don't know how many months this is going to be like this so you got to take advantage now and then 2020 the rest of it happened 2021 happened and here we are 2022 when we're still saying well we don't know how long it's going to last so do you think um, that do you think that trading in general i mean, do you see that your career doing this following the path where at a certain point, it's just going to have to be like a cold turkey thing. That's uh, it. I don't think it'll ever be cold turkey. My uncle, actually, he just turned either 87 or 88. And he's like, Nate, 
in December. I'm done. He, yeah, he timed it perfectly. Uh, <laughs> he's like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm getting out. I, I just, it's, it's harder for me to focus watching all these stocks now, this and that, but he, I mean, he's lifelong entrepreneur and, yeah. you know, business and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know that I would ever 100% be out, but you know, the, the last summer I took a lot of time off, uh, which I had trouble doing before. But yeah, uh, uh, priorities start to change. You know, one thing that I had said, I remember if it was a tweet or, or just something in, in one of my scans or a Sunday video or something like that. But, you know, a lot of people are kind of chasing after, you know, what they see on, on social, right? But you're chasing after the single dude who's 22 that's like absolutely crushing his career or, you know, this person that's been trading for X amount of time, there's like, there is no family, there is no, sure. you know, all these other priorities that you also have. So you have to kind of make sure that you're not chasing something that isn't really reasonable for, for you. And I feel like a lot of people fall into that trap and always feel like they're not good enough because somebody else is making more. And um, somebody else will always make more. Always, always. always. And, and you really have to just kind of, figure out where you want to go, what your path is. And, you know, I've got a couple different goals, non-trading related, uh, where, you know, I'd like to build out a couple different things and in, in different businesses and locally. And, and after that, maybe priority shift, but, you know, even with, you know, my own business with IU, it's something that I, I love. And, and, you know, sometimes people, you know, they're, they're like, well, why do you have it if, uh, if you're a successful trader, but where else would I go if I was a successful trader and I wanted to have that kind of information, right? So sure. for me, you know, this it's it's trading's my passion. It's not running a business, but it's something where I'd like to not necessarily mentor different other you know other people, but I'd like to expand out uh, a community and bring in different different people to be able to continue you know well, that, that and also feel that we have. Also, it's 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 beneficial and therapeutic to talk about this stuff anyway. So it's not, it's not yeah. like you're not getting anything out of it. You're you're certainly putting your heart and soul into IU, and by verbalizing a lot of your ideas and you know talking about that stuff, it definitely helps you. There's no question. Well, like I told you too, and and you know in 2020 I called Greg and I'm like, I hit every number that I ever was like kind of in my head, you know, trying to get to right. And I'm the most confused I've ever been. Right. And um, he's like, yep, <laughs> been there, <laughs> done that. And so it's your priorities are always going to change. Your numbers are always going to change. And you just kind of have to figure out what you want out of your life. You've got one life. You've got to figure it out. And I can tell you one thing. If you're always chasing for the next number, the next number, the next number, it always changes. You're never going to be happy. So you have to find other priorities, other things that are going to make you happy. Uh, and in my opinion, that's really the, the true success. Right. You want to be present with your kids, especially. I mean, like if you can't have a life outside of trading, then what are you trading for? You exactly. <laughs> What's the point? And then, and then you end up in a bad rut, you know, look at, look at all these people that have done extremely well on the, uh, the long side. And all of a sudden they, you know, you get a market like this where literally every stock's down 50% except the in indexes, yeah. you know, you, you start to look back at all this time that you could have, would have, should have, you know, spent. So it's really, you know, kind of spearheading it, you know, straight on. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's been a work in progress. I'm not perfect 
by any means, you know, and, and there, a lot of times market is on my mind, but I've worked very hard to disconnect uh, at, you know, particular days, weeks, whatever it may be. Sure. Quiet time, downtime, important. Yep. All right. Well, we have, uh, we have a few questions that came in. Maybe we could do like a little bit of, you know, rapidish fire, you know, or you can kind of like not lightning round, <laughs> a, li a lightning round. Yeah, we can do that. So a couple of them are, are kind of similar. One person was wondering your, your best way to determine entry points and somebody else was talking about hotkeys. Maybe we could kind of roll that into one question talking about where you find, how you determine your entry points and how you incorporate hotkeys into your trading. All right. I'll do the entry points. Remind me in the hotkeys when I forget. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I say this a lot looking left. So for me, I always want to look at prior levels of support and resistance. And I used to be the trader that did not want to miss, not necessarily the top, but I don't want to miss the move. And I started to realize that a lot of times just being patient and letting that, that trend turn, you know, shift, fail, uh, was a lot more beneficial than trying to find that top or trying or, or anticipate the top and trying to anticipate the bottom. And a lot of times you'll realize, and I said this today too, you're spending all this time trying to find the top, probably early, probably added a little bit. What actually happens if you're just patient, you probably end up with a better average after it fades than if you're just trying to find the top or in the same thing with the market trying to bottom when you're, all right, maybe it bounces now. Nope, lower. All right, I'll add some. Maybe it bounces now. Nope, lower. And then if you actually wait for it to rally, you're entering at that same spot or better than all these other times that you were trying without the stress, without you know all the, all the risk that you kind of took on to potentially even break even. So uh, for me, the biggest change over the last couple of years has just been letting whatever move is exhaust out and not try to find the top or the bottom. Just try to find high daily rangers and be uh, looking for the meat of that particular move. And then moving it uh, to hotkeys, what I recommend is whatever you do the most, just add it to your keys. And so I use the F keys a lot, you know, F1 through I think eight. And then I have a couple of G uh, ones on the side, but you should always have like a cancel all orders just in case little panic button. But I do, you know, the in between, I think it's F1, two, three, four. And then there's typically a space and then five, six, seven, eight. And those are kind of the, the short side and the long side. And then that's a small entry, bigger entry, bigger and bigger. And, are the, and are the share numbers like arbitrary or do you, do you have like- Whatever you typically do. So if it's 500 that you do a lot or as a starter or 5,000, that should be your first one. Then, you know, so it could go 5,000, 10,000, you know, 20, 50, or it could be, you know, hundred shares, 200 shares, 500 or a thousand, you know, whatever you typically would do. But what I have found is, and I use the point and click. So I just point on the level two, it auto fills in the price and then I can just fire away, fire away, fire away. Some people choose to auto just put it on the bid or, or swipe the offer plus, you know, a, a cent or two or five cents, whatever you want to do. But I prefer just to click on the level two very fast. I used to do everything manually and, and I, I didn't understand why people did hotkeys. And now I don't understand how, don't. You, how you cannot use hotkeys. It's, it's made me so much faster. And, you know, when you get a flush move, you know, you're, you're talking about, okay, I'm going to go and 
put this in, type this in, do that, do that, then press buy. And the moves already, you know, swipe back. Whereas flushes down, bam, hit a key. You're out. You'd have max so, build you an API. That's what you need. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's there's a lot of people that do that too and it pulls into excel and it tells you when your you know risk is oh, yeah. uh you know out of whack or, or whatever but the way that i trade this works for now uh if i was managing more of a portfolio type you know a lot of positions where i need to you know be alerted if something's you know out of whack then then maybe <laughs> but for right now just what i would suggest is whatever you find yourself doing most often manually, you know, do that. And, you know, there's other things that you find yourself doing on your charts every single day that you could also add a hotkey for. For example, too, even if you're a short bias trader and you, you know, you find yourself locating stuff, sometimes you got to go and click and find the, the, the short menu, you know, to try to find some in inventory. Right. You can just hit a button and it pops up. And then you, you know, you don't have to do 10 steps to get there. You just hit a button, boom locate it that could be the difference between an entry or not so it's all about speed so again whatever you find yourself doing every single day that should that could all be automated so uh that segues very nice into another question that we got uh somebody was asking about locates and the quantity that you locate whether you use all the shares every time how do you how do you determine sizing for your locates and uh i typically think about a couple of things, you know, what size would I trade? What does the price look like? If it's expensive, then I say, okay, what price would I really trade? I mean, what, what amount would I really trade? And is it worth the risk that there might not be any left or that it might actually pop, you know, in price because supply and demand, once they're out, if they have to go back to the street and potentially locate more, it could be a higher price. So sometimes if something pops right away, I might locate some, maybe there's no trade, maybe I just waste the money. But I paid, you know, a half a cent or a penny or two cents. And then it starts to be the trade of the day. And it ends up being a, a dime or 15 cents a share because it's a tiny float. Well, sure. I just paid a fraction of that. And I now I can be patient, I, I have a lot of shares to work with. I'll be I'll wait. So I always look at that I look at the quantity, you know, if, if I go in for 10 or 20 or 50,000. And it's like, there's only 4,700 available. Then I probably want those. And if it refreshes and, and it's a reasonable price, then I, I can, you know, maybe I'll wait for, for some more, but it really just depends on the type of trade. If it's a thin name and I'm interested and it's there, reasonable price, then I, I want as many as I'm willing to risk. And it, it just becomes like a, a, a trade risk. It's a cost of doing business. You know, sometimes people ask me, you know, what's the, what's the max you're willing to pay? It depends on the opportunity. I paid 17 cents a share for something today. It had, you know, five, five dollars a range. That's a and, question. You know, it ended up being, you know, an eight dollar move down to 450. I didn't, I got out around 580s or so, but you know, it's it depends on on what the trade at hand is mm -hmm. and what you think the potential is and what you're willing to pay for that chance. You know, keep in mind it doesn't mean you're gonna make money. It's you're, you're paying for a chance to be able to, to short it. And, right. you know, if it goes higher than we're short it, you're going to lose twice. Do you find so, that most of your short plays are, are shorting stocks that you have to locate or do you, are you mostly trading easy to borrow stocks? Uh, in this market, it's mostly easy to borrow, but um, you know, it's, it's, I would say probably 
20% of 20, maybe, maybe 20, 25% of what I've been doing lately, you know, having multiple clearing firms is always good. You know, maybe it's easy to borrow here and it's, it's not there. Maybe it's cheap here. It's always good to have multiple clearing firms to just kind of check also with, you know, what does have it easy to borrow? Because that could play into the next strategy, whether it was super easy to borrow and everybody's short and it's holding trend and it's going to squeeze out, you know? So it's just every single day is, is, is a little bit different, but I would say probably 20, 25% of, of what I trade is borrowable, but it's not, the prices aren't crazy. And, and quite honestly, I don't really care to, to trade the super low floats. You know, if, if there's a huge opportunity, sure. But for me, the stress involved, the <laughs> potential of circuit halts and You're giving me yeah, nightmares, dude. Huge trades there, but I'd rather trade them a little bit smaller and just, you know, take advantage of, of the price action. It was a good opportunity, but I'm not looking to, to size, you know, ISIG is a one that comes to mind or, or LFVN, you know, these, these stocks that went from, you know, five to 10 to 20 to $28 per share. That's how you blow up. You know, I'm, I'm all set, you know, I'll trade it small <laughs> here and there, but you know, those days are over. There's just so much liquidity elsewhere without that risk. Right. That, you know, to me, have at it. Somebody well, else it used to be that stocks like that were the ones that were making big moves. But now that you have large caps that are moving 25%, you know, large caps are the small caps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So no, I totally, I totally get that. But that you know, the, a recent one, uh, which was kind of interesting to me was like lucid LCID. That was something that it was almost like AMC last year, probably at this time, but hard to borrow. You know, and you're like, how can this be hard to borrow? And it's, it's expensive. You know, Lucid was easy to borrow every single day. Then it went to a penny, then two cents, then almost three cents. And so to me, that was like, hey, there's a lot of people hedging right now. There's a lot of people short and borrowing and hedging against this lockup that just came. You know, I think it was a week and a half ago or so. But to me, that was kind of like a, I don't want to be first in expecting it to tank on lockup because I know everybody's hedged. So if everybody's expecting it to go down, it probably won't because nobody's really, you know, nervous right now. They've already hedged. Right. But if it goes up, people are going to freak out because they, they've kind of, you know, they, they shorted into it probably too much anticipating the lockup, let it play out and then don't forget about it. And of course I forgot about it, but <laughs> it completely came apart. It was, it was interesting to see that such a big name was, you know, actually hard to borrow. And, and to me, that gave me a little bit of it. I did trade it, you know, the days following, but I've, I had since lost it off radar. But it was, it was a little bit of an edge for me, in my opinion, because it, it was like, hmm, I don't want to step in front of this, but don't forget when it does break down, probably going to unwind. All right, moving on. We got two left. Are you up for it? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So uh, somebody writes in that they, they struggle with their daily routine. So they wanted you to kind of walk us through what time you get up, you know, kind of like how you, how you approach your uh, daily routine. Well, first off, David Goggins, I always say, you know, whenever, whenever people ask about a routine or like, you know, like they can't get into one or they can't do this or that can't hurt me. David Goggins, the audiobook is in my, well, I, probably wouldn't read through the whole thing anyway, but the audiobook was good because David actually comes on after uh, each chapter and kind of adds in a little bit of 
a little bit of stuff, but it, some of it's repetitive, but it's, it's kind of drilling it in for me. Anyways, it, it helped with not making that excuse. You know, we can always be like, well, I'm going to do this tomorrow and the next day and the next day, I would definitely get that audio audio book, watch that, uh, listen to it, whatever. But for me, it's the same thing every single day. Consistency. Hopefully I don't wake up at 4am. Sometimes, you know, you do, you peak at, at a particular stock and you see it's up and then you can't fall back to sleep. But Usually, like if it's Tuesday, Thursdays, I do a workout in the morning. Uh, so I get up at 5.15. But uh, most of the time, it's like 6-ish, 6.30. And I just try to stay away from trading as long as I can. Because, you know, once you put on that first trade, that's it. You know, you, you don't know if it's going to be, if it's going to require a lot of attention. Or if it's uh, going to be just a nice, you know, beautiful unwind type trade or break it, whatever side you're on. So for me, I try to, to kind of push that, you know, as far away as I can and, and not get involved uh, as much as I used to pre-market because that time is valuable. And if I've got, you know, stocks in my mind and my kids are waking up and I got to go run back in and check, it's just not really worth it to have you know, stocks on that early. So unnecessary um, stress. For sure. Yeah. And so usually I come take a peek 6.50 AM to seven, see what happens just because that's when E-Trade starts to open. E-Trade starts at uh, 7 AM. So you usually see some moves start and that's getting back to that locate question. If there's something that starts to rip, you know, that's a part, uh, that's a time where I'm like, all right, do I think I'm going to trade this? And locate if I think I'm going to trade it. If not, or if there's a lot of uh, availability, then I'll just, you know, kind of wait and kind of see what happens. But that's 7 a.m. Usually uh, take Becca for a walk somewhere between, you know, 7.15 and 7.45 a.m. Come back and review what's happening around eight, uh, you know, shower, do all the morning type stuff. Adeline leaves for school shortly thereafter, and then really start to zone in around 8.30. 8.50, I do the morning call every single day uh, in the room, which is, you know, on the microphone and discussing sort of, you know, there's 20 names on watch. These are the two that I'm focused on. What I'd be looking for, thoughts on the overall market for the day, and sort of that verbalizing everything I need to, you know, that I need to remind myself and reminding others. I think I've said it before, but, you know, verbalizing things does help. And uh, a lot of times you'll, you'll say something and then you're, you find yourself starting to do something else. You're like, no, that's not what I said. And uh, I think that getting it out there uh, helps you uh, with that. So I think that's important. And then eyes on focused, you know, after that through at least 10, 30, 11. And I think 10, 30, 11 is a good time to ask yourself, are these doing what I thought they were going to do or not? And if they're not, just move on. Because otherwise, I know that I used to just be in that name from, you know, open till 359.58, you know, like two seconds before close, I'm done with the trade. But you know what? At 1030, I knew that I shouldn't be in that trade. So usually around 1030, 11, I just kind of reevaluate everything that I'm trading. And if it doesn't get that mark of approval, then it's out and, uh, and move on. So Midday, you know, just normal, you know, make sure that you eat and go through till till four. Get off desk right away. Uh, me and my wife kind of uh, split the, the next two hours. So usually um, 
415 to 515 is is me you know i don't have to worry about kids i don't have to worry about anything i can just kind of go unwind and uh do my thing uh otherwise i'm just kind of like a, a zombie you know after after hours if if i don't get that uh unwind time and i really only need five or ten minutes of just this mindless activity uh right. and then i'm good but then she'll get the next hour and i'll play with the kids and stuff and i that was pretty important because uh if i did not get that time um i'm just you know until 8 p.m it's just like i'm not even there so uh, I think it's very important to have that time after the market just to kind of do nothing for a minute. And then you're good. What to go. is do nothing? Does it mean like <laughs> just walk like, again, go for like, a ride like through social? <laughs> What's that? Like the, but through social media, like Instagram. No, and like just, that. <laughs> um, I don't, I, I really, yeah, maybe, maybe reply and, and uh, reply to some people on, on Twitter for fun. But uh, no, I, it's, it's getting away from that, actually. It's, it's uh, you know, going outside, getting in the car, go for a ride, you know, if it's nice out, whatever. I mean, all, all these different things, but just like not have anything uh, to worry about. And then you try to, you know, hang out with kids and do that kind of stuff. Sometimes gym at night with uh, Zach does the virtual workouts that we have a lot of traders doing now, uh, which is great, which he just told me today, one of the other traders was... Uh, pre-diabetic, bunch of other health issues. He just went for his six month checkup and all of that's gone all good. Uh, since he, since he uh, started doing that, which was, oh, he's great. like, he's like, Nate, that's why I do this. <laughs> so he's all pumped, but uh, nice. I'll do that on Tuesday and Thursday nights, Saturday and Sunday, but then I'll do scan like seven to 8 PM. And then me and, and Laura usually do like a, a show. Well, we put the kids to bed around seven do a show after I finish scan. So it could be 720, 730, 758, whatever. What are you uh, watching? Try to get, uh, Ozark right now. Oh, so good, isn't it? Yes. Oh man. I just I just finished the new installment. And, and then we did uh what's the other one? Um with Logan and uh um, Logan? What? I have no idea what you're talking about. That's the main character one of the main characters. Uh oh. Succession. Oh Succession. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. I've not watched them yet, but Ozark. I'm... Yeah, I figured I would say Logan. You'd be like, succession. <laughs> right, right. Then Wonderful. get to bed. You know, like, I don't care if I go to bed at 9, 9, 30, 10. But, you know, the earlier you get to bed, the earlier you're going to get up, the more productive you'll be. You know, you you probably get a lot more done from 6 to 7 a.m. than you will from 9 to 10 p.m. So you right. might as well get in bed and get up early, in my opinion. You know, it's, it's more productive hours to be awake. That's pretty much it. We had one more question here about options. Are you trading options now? Sometimes. Uh, I try. Dabbling. Um, I, tr I did the SPY ones the other day, but typically when it's markets like this, I didn't do any today, but I'm exploring them. I still am exploring them. I'm actually pretty good at identifying the right ones. I, I, I would say one of my strongest assets as a trader is the ability to anticipate range or you know kind of that range expansion which is like a home run a home run ability for an option trader i would sure. say so i should be doing a lot more of it but you know like spy was 425 424 the other day 425 and i was buying 424 or 425s and i felt like it was going to go 438 to 440 into the close and it it literally went into 440 into the close and closed right at like 438. And those, so I bought 425s at 160. They went to 15. 
I bought the 438s, the 440s at like 15 cents, 16 cents, I think 20 cents, something like that, all in around high teens. And, you know, I was trying not to be that uh, degenerate gambler that is trading these expiration type things, you know, into the last hour. So I took them off at 30, 45 cents, maybe 60 cents, something like that. They all went to like buck 52. Um, <laughs> and, and it was, it was, it was definitely fun to, to see, but I can see the, you know, how people would get addicted to that potential and just sure. you know completely piss away a bunch of money. So Absolutely. I, I try not to, to do that. And I, I'm not trading, you know, monster size on these things either, uh, you know, decent, they're still great trades, especially when they triple quadruple, you know, go 10 X, but I'm not confident or, or familiar enough yet to, to really, you know, get in there with a, a lot, a lot of money. So it's probably a good thing, but uh, it's rare that I trade them. It's just, uh, you know, I probably traded them 10 to 20 times last year, maybe 10 different days, you know, mm-hmm. and I've traded them maybe two different days this year so far. So it's not a big part, but a lot of people in my room that see, the ability to protect that range expansion say that I need to focus on them. So <laughs> it is, it is something that I'd like to, but I, I know what I'm good at. I, I'm, I, I like liquidity. I like, you know, I'm familiar with what I'm doing and I don't want to add another stressor, uh, but I should probably, I should probably uh, look into it. Well, I talked to Phil back in the spring when he was on the podcast and he said that when he learned how to trade options, it really opened up like yeah. a whole new world. For his yeah, uh, for his trade, and that actually shifted. You know, it used to be a lot of money in the small caps, and now small caps became a small portion of him just, you know, doing his his short or his um, option strategy. Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right, dude. That I think that's all. That wraps up the lightning round. So uh, this was a this is a great episode to come back on, and and thank you for doing it, and thanks yeah. for uh, thanks for all that you do for traders for a cause. Had a great year in twenty twenty one. Hopefully we can pull a repeat. Yeah, I'm excited about the virtual one. Uh, hopefully we can, uh, what, what do you, th- March or April, something like that. And then uh, hopefully October again. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Probably do uh, another spring salute or something something like that. And then back in Vegas, back in October. That, that's what I'm hoping. And I'm, I'm thinking that maybe, maybe, just maybe, it'll be even more normal uh, in Vegas. It was, it was per, even, even with COVID and, you know, they force you to wear the mask, which is, you know, I, I'm fine with that, but the room was, you know, I'm glad you went with the bigger room. I mean, it, it, it felt very comfortable. And, and now we know we could even pack more people into there. I mean, it, it, it did not feel at all like, you know, uh, maybe we shouldn't be doing this right now. <laughs> it, it, it felt, you know, it, it was so spread out that, that room you know, was even fantastic. If sim- even if it's similar next year, I, I mean, I, I still would do it. No, for sure. I, I think it was really, it was a wise choice for us to to move into a bigger space. And all the feedback that I've gotten on the space that we had was was uh, terrific. So yeah, um, I think we'll probably do that again. And uh, hopefully we can get some more uh, fresh faces next year and uh, continue, like to, continue to build T4C. So uh, thanks again for being with me. I guess we'll end it like we like we always do. Trade profit and make a difference. Thanks guys. Awesome. Thanks Zach.